Hello, my friend. I'm Avika Paras, host of The Decisive Life and founder of Ethics for Working Life. And I'm honored to be your decision coach today to help you become a better person by making better decisions every day. I believe that we arrive at crossroads, we face dilemmas, we get at decision moments for a reason, and it is up to us to face them with serenity and courage and most of all, gratitude. Why do some people contradict themselves? What makes some people say this is what they believe and then they do something that is not consistent with that belief? The example I want to tackle here is that some people adhere to the seventh commandment, which says, thou shall not steal, and yet they seem to favor an electoral candidate, Mr. Marcos Jr. By the name itself, you will associate the candidate to the family from which the Philippines has recovered 170 billion pesos or $3.6 billion of ill-gotten wealth. According to the Philippine Commission on Good Government, which was really created to run after the ill-gotten wealth of the Marcoses, there are still assets worth 32 billion pesos or $673 million that have to be recovered from the Marcoses through 19 civil cases. And these 19 cases are still pending before the Sandigan Bayan as of December 2015. Aside from those amounts, the Bureau of Internal Revenue has set demands to the Marcos family in December 2021 to pay their estate taxes worth $203 billion. My source is the Rappler, but you can just Google search Marcos $203 billion tax, and you will get into several sources. Just choose the traditional ones or choose like 10 who agree. Okay, so you don't say that all of these are fake news, just choose 10 who agree, okay? Because if 10 agree, probably it's more correct than one channel that says it's not true and the other channels that agree with that sounds like you've never heard before the election, okay? Do you know what I'm driving at? We really have to be very careful with the news that we check, okay? I'm more comfortable with Inquirer, with Star, Traveler, okay? Choose the mainstream media. I would recommend so you don't go to dubious fake media channels. So I said that some people seem to favor Mr. Marcos because in the end, we don't know what they will write in their ballots. What we can be sure is what we see in the public arena, like in social media sites, that they are declaring their votes for Mr. Marcos Jr. to be the next president of the Philippines. So in this live stream, essentially, I want to help you, you who are confused with that contradiction, I hope that you don't contradict yourself also with Christian charity and unfriend these people. So let's not add more contradictory values. If we believe in Christian charity, we act charitably. So stay with me if you wish to know how to enter the worlds of these people and continue working with them in peace and harmony. So it is my goal to help people improve their decision-making skills so they can live and work in alignment with their values. That's very important. Alignment between decision and values. That is my key message. And that is really central to our topic today. The voter whom we love as a family member, as a relative, or as a friend has values that would be contradicting his or her public vote. So just for the sake of not using the female and the male pronouns, I'll stick to the women. So you could have a friend whose values could be contradicting her public vote. Again, in the end, we don't really know what her final vote will be. She is publicly going to vote for Mr. Marcos Jr. And we don't know what she will write eventually in her ballot. But remember that May 9 is only a day after which we will continue to be her own family, her relative, or her friend. 
So we cannot be enemies now or in the future. Never, because again, she's a family member, she's a friend, she's a relative, she's a co-worker. So how do we understand the seeming contradiction, her hierarchy of values that underlies her public vote? So hierarchy of values means that there is one value that is more important than another. Perhaps you're familiar with the hierarchy of needs of Abraham Maslow, which describes how human beings will satisfy first their lower level needs like food, need for food, need for water, or need for security before they get into self-actualization. That shows a certain hierarchy in satisfying human needs. So the same with values, there's a certain hierarchy, one value is higher than another. So in decision making, our criteria for choosing alternative courses of action do not have equal weights normally. So if I decide to eat in one particular restaurant over another, perhaps all of them have the same menus, but I have given more weight perhaps to the ambience. So I've chose a particular restaurant. If I decided to buy a particular dress, I could have decided more for comfort than style. All of them being equal in style, probably I've chosen the one that is more comfortable. So we decide on the basis of our decision criteria, which are not of equal weight. Let's give some examples of decision criterion on voting preferences. A voter decides on a particular candidate on the basis of, say, party affiliation. The thing is, in the Philippines, there's so many parties, right? And then there are switches along the way. Your criterion would also be family decision, memory recall, like the only type that you saw in your little community is that of one electoral candidate. So at the time of being there in the precinct, that's the only one that you will select. So we could also decide on the basis of, say, strategic vision for the country where the candidate will lead the Philippines in the next six years. Or we could also decide on executive talent because, you know, some people are visionaries, but they cannot make the goals happen. They don't know how to motivate people to do the work. So we want someone who has a performance record in managing the goals, making them happen in the course of his years in government service. And the third criterion could be integrity or honesty. Three criteria, which can be trimmed down to two. Professional competence on both strategic and executive talents and moral integrity, which for me is simply living an honest life. Of course, it is not that simple to do, but simply said, that highfalutin word of integrity can be understood as honesty. So for the voters who will decide on the basis of this criteria, and there are two candidates that are tied, then the voter could break the tie by giving more weight to one criterion. She could say, okay, I prefer a short performer and I put less weight on the candidate's emotional intelligence. Never mind if the candidate has said in public that he does not know why he loses his temper. So you could predict who will she choose. So if the voter says, I prefer a good father, regardless of not having any educational diploma, no track record, no platform. Okay, you can also predict what weight she will give more to being a good father in order to run the country. Okay, so the weight that she gives on each of her criterion gives rise to her hierarchy of values. There could be several combinations like skills may rank higher than moral integrity, in which case we have to be more careful if her candidate wins because the voted president that lacks law in integrity could use his skills to defraud the country if his character is not anchored on good moral values. Is that easy to understand? Because I could have someone who is skilled, very good scientist, he could be manufacturing a nuclear bomb because he's so intelligent. But he could be lacking in integrity, not not having any compassion for the entire world or one country. In the voters' hierarchy of values, the family decision is higher 
So there is less conversation on whether he's killed or he is honest. What is important is what the patriarch or the matriarch would say where the family should vote. It could also happen that in our hierarchy of values, the goodness is more important than skills. I put the goodness in quotation marks because we differ in what is good. So the goodness is more important in skills. So in that sense, if the others vote like that, we could have a good but incompetent leader. He's good, he's kind, he's adorable as a father, but he's incompetent. So the hierarchy of values is important as it determines the final decision of one voter, that is. But if you have a majority of people voting more for one specific criterion, it could give you an idea who could emerge as winner. The hierarchy of values change. For instance, at a younger age, you would prefer to travel far and wide, so your travel decisions could be determined by your energy, your interests. Later, your personal interest could play second where the other family members would want to go, where your husband would want to go, your health condition would allow you to go. So the hierarchy of values would change. So going specifically to the key example of hierarchy of values that we have, I could have a friend and both of us were in the supermarket once. Let's talk about it in third person. Both of you saw a young boy. The boy seems like stealing a bag of chocolate and your voter friend went out of her way to whisper to the boy, you know, that's not good if you are hiding the chocolates in your bag. Will you pay for them? Give it to your mommy so she can pay for them. It's not good to steal. Okay, so she tells the boy. And the amount of theft is worth 300 pesos or $3 for a package of a local chocolate brand that I really love, and that is Chocna. And now, this friend of yours who has just advised a fellow to be honest, not to steal the chocolate, is going to vote for a member of the Marcos family with ill-gotten wealth history from the Philippines. So you could ask, why the change of values? I would say it is a change as the weight must have shifted to some things that we have to find out. So the main advice is to know and understand that hierarchy of values. How come you could be teaching catechism to young people and you say, don't steal, and you are going to vote for someone with a known record of stealing billions of money from the Philippines. What I'm saying to you right now, if you're the friend of that voter that could be contradicting her moral values with her vote, focus on her and control what you're feeling because your friend is your friend and not simply a voter for Marcos. Sincerely try to enter into her world and see how she's seeing realities from her perspective. You know, I remember a couple of bird-watching trips I did with some friends So the most recent one was in the Ninoy Aquino Parks and Wildlife Center. Almost at the end of the trip, my friend, Det, said, look, there's a black-crowned night heron there. And she told me, okay, come here, come here. Just just be here. And then look at the tree that's there, directly there. So I positioned myself where she was then, and I looked at the group of rocks, and I found it. So the thing there was I shifted from my initial position to where her position was. And there was the heron. And I think that kind of shifting position is crucial in understanding the vote and the hierarchy of values that is determining your friend's vote. So what will that shifting position entail? I give five concrete steps. The first is ask questions from a sincere place of wanting to be in a better company with her. Don't ask questions like a third-person reporter. If your friend says, my entire family has been voting for the Marcoses ever since time immemorial. Wait for her to say more. You could ask, tell me more. So keep the focus on her rather than waiting to jump on her with all of your fact-checking data. 
your reality is obviously different from her. So focus on her and keep your attention outside of yourself. So I think that's very important because sometimes it really helps me. For example, I really like to know if the person I'm talking to is really listening. And waiting for me to answer after a long period is already a proof that she's wanting to reply to me rather than immediately answering this or that. It should be like this. Second tip, zoom out of yourself in cases when she might say that you are judging Marcus Jr. Zoom out of yourself because in the end, you can be defensive. So you could just ask, I am judging Mr. Marcos. Ask that with the intention of knowing more her world. In the end, you might learn something about yourself. How do you look when you speak and you could improve when you really want to enter into a friendly conversation? And you can say, you are right. I am not conscious that I raise my eyebrows when people talk about Mr. Marcos Jr.'s accomplishments. You can thank her for that. Again, we want to have a friendly conversation. We want to be in a better company. We don't want to go into argument. So the third tip is check for information gaps. If she says the Marcuses have built all the roads and highways that you use every day when you go to work, you could ask, how do you know the Marcuses built all those? The tone of asking the question matters because you are not in a debate. You are seeking more information to understand her world, her sources of information, to understand better what has surpassed the moral issues in her hierarchy of values. And then number four, we can try reframing her statements in a more positive way. If she says, I can't get it why these people can't accept that the Marcuses built all those 10,000 bridges. Well, acknowledge what she's feeling and say, I know I can feel bad if after all the research I've done, I realize people don't believe in what I have found out. They want them to accept that the Marcuses built 10,000 bridges for the Filipino people. So what does it mean for you if the people accept your research data? What's important for you about those 10,000 bridges that the Marcoses built? So it's again furthering the conversation and getting more idea about her world. And then the fifth tip I have is expand her realities and try to consider other possibilities for her. Like you can ask, what would it be like if indeed the Marcoses did not build those bridges? Perhaps she's just thinking that everybody, they don't believe that the Marcoses did a lot of things for the country. So ask also that other question, what, what will it be like if it's not true? You could add a story or two when you discovered something contrary to your belief. I tell you, when I entered the university, I used to think that professors don't know how to write clearly and legibly on the blackboards, the green boards, compared to my high school teachers. I realized later on that I have an impaired vision, which I was not aware of since in high school, I would always sit in front. Of course, I changed my belief when I started wearing eyeglasses and I could read well, anything on the blackboard. So it took a doubt. What if it's not the professors, but it's me? So it took a doubt about my own vision and some headaches that really made me want to have my eyes checked. So help your friend actively, instead of she discovering it for a longer period of time, what would it be like if the Marcoses did not do as you believed it? Will it matter to you? Again, always from the intention of entering her world, understanding why she believes what she believes. I don't want to really make more assumptions about the possible results of these conversations. There could be a thousand and one possible questions and answers results. So I have proposed questions to help you enter into her world if you wish to understand her current hierarchy of values. How come the moral issues have been surpassed by her vote for Marcos? It matters to do it now because after the May 9 elections, 
you will still be part of the same family, the same organization, part of the same network. So it matters to know more her world now. You have gotten out of your way, and that's very important. You have gotten out of your own fact-checking, out of your own strong beliefs to listen to her, to give her time, to really try to be less into arguments and debates. And really, for me, that has improved you as a person. You have learned to listen. You have learned to get out of your way to enter another person's world. And even if she does not change her vote, which I pray that she does, you would have known her more. You can help her in her sources of information in giving her training possibilities that will surface her beliefs and also getting her a mentor that will help her minimize any contradiction between her decisions and her values. So surely the entire family or organization can benefit from a restudy of the education methods, of the style of conversation, to avoid any of these contradictions to appear in the future. If any, the May 9 election has revealed that there are formation gaps and ineffective training methodology. There could be blind loyalty that prevents one to maximize her potential for critical thinking skills. Really, this election has given us a learning point that we are unconsciously ignorant of. And now at this stage, we already know. We are already aware of what we lack in the past. And that's why we have been getting these results. So what could have surfaced is this. Training for the skills is insufficient if we don't train people to think well, to improve people's motivations to act rather than focusing only on external actions, that they can do this, they do that. For instance, we might judge that someone who arrives at a certain place punctually or five minutes earlier, we can give good points to that person. And we cannot distinguish the quality of motivations between a worker who is punctual because she wants to get a better seat and another who is punctual because she respects other people's time. So we cannot go deeper if we are not focusing on the goal of education at a deeper level to help people know why they do what they do. That will be much more interesting in the future. Not that they're doing this or that. Why do they do what they do? An author said, the better person is not the person who does not do anything wrong, but the person who does not do anything wrong because she realizes it is wrong. So what good is it for me that you did not vote for Mr. Marcos because I told you? And I told you he still has to return the ill-gotten wealth. He still has to pay the excise tax due him. But the thing is, in the final analysis, you don't know why. You voted like a robot. You voted for blind obedience or for friendship's sake because Dr. Avik said so. I wouldn't be happy with that because you have to know why you're voting for a particular person, not because you just want to follow me. So I would rather take pains when we meet face-to-face -face or online directly to you, not to a conversation that could be read by everyone, to explain to you why professional competence and integrity must go together in any manager of a small business, of a family, or an entire country. And these two, they are built in time. You cannot say that Mr. Marcos will do better when he is elected. The thing is, Miss Amy Marcos, his sister, said in an interview with Karen Davila, hey, my brother needs a job. He's been hanging around jobless for the past six years. You can tell me if you have better editing skills. You can tell me that's not true. It's superimposed. The voice is not, I'm okay. We can talk about that in our face-to-face -face conversation. But I can tell you that the skills and the habits are built in time and with consistency. Why would I expect a miracle when God has given me observation skills to know the track record? You know, consistency is very important. Hence, really, a primary training gap is there where people must detect the existence of real problems. 
And this is, I think, very important because some reasons why people are voting for Marcos and not considering the Seventh Commandment, Thou shalt not steal, is because of nostalgia. A person having nostalgia from a supposedly glorious past under a Marcos senior presidency is an enemy for training people. The nostalgia, not the people with nostalgia. The nostalgia itself is an enemy for training people to improve in being realistic. In focusing on the present, the challenges of the present moment. For me, it's like nostalgia massages your memory, but it does not help your intelligence. And the will to make changes come from an intelligent evaluation of the present realities. So definitely, the teaching methodology that gives information alone, giving one-way information, is not going to work in the long term. We will get into these problems again. So rather, using real cases and using the Socratic approach to asking questions will develop one's ability to distinguish what is real and what is imagined, to ground the person to the facts of the case and not to an imagined story, to overcome a pessimistic attitude towards the future that is different from any nostalgic past. Because with the case method, you can draw several alternatives of action. You are not just going to bewail the past that is not coming back to the present. You move forward with the alternatives for actions. You determine your alternatives for actions. You determine, you become decisive. You're not just going to see it and dream of that past, the glorious past of the Philippines that hopefully could happen with the son of Mr. Marcos. So finally, I would advise you as managers to be charitable so as not to put these people with these contradictory situations of values in a situation of public doubt where people can doubt their message the people will be deterred from listening concretely. Don't put them as trainers teaching people about honesty or justice or respect for people and their ownership when there is no closure yet about their values and their vote. If they have publicized their vote, they can also make public any rectification, any correction, any conclusion drawn from critical thinking. But don't put them in a position that they will be shamed, that people will just start trying to see, what did she say before in her feed that she is going to vote for Mr. Marcos? Why is she talking to me now about integrity, about honesty? Okay, so without these measures, you as the manager, you are putting them in a situation that they can be internally criticized. Again, why is she talking about reparation or giving back what is not rightfully your property? And she voted for a family that stole millions from the Philippines. So do your homework as a manager, know your people, know their values, find out their inner worlds, enter into their worlds, expand their worlds before giving them these crucial assignments. Okay, my friend, I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Decisive Life. If you liked it, take a screenshot of this podcast, share it, and the link to this episode to three of your friends today. Post it in social media and use the hashtag the decisive life. Until the next episode, my friend, be good. Cool.